Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. WILK News Radio. A little Mozart to bring us back. We are uh, Mozart funeral music. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the only president that a lot of people ever knew, passed away this date in 1945, a cerebral hemorrhage. He had many other congestive heart failure, but in Warm Springs, Georgia, at the age of just 63, Vice President Harry S. Truman takes his place. And Rick Bigelow is on the line. And uh, he wants to talk about that, and and he's happy to. And, Rick, before we get you started, I want to uh, mention, coming out of this uh, break, our great veterans for today, four Vietnam-era veterans, Jim Mosley of Shepton, Wayne Oakley of Susquehanna County, William Crossan of Scranton, Ted Tomko of Dixon City, and Gene Lawson of Late of Plains, World War II. Uh, welcome, uh, Rick. Thank you very much for all the information you gave us on Gene Lawson. And I'm, uh, looking forward to hearing, uh, and I, I was talking a little bit about it before the death of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It had to be staggering for people, this voice and presence that led them through so much turmoil between the great depression and World War II, and he's gone. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. Um, you know, the uh, the press really hid from the public uh, his deteriorating condition because he'd been he'd been really on the downslide for for a couple years, and the, the press uh, really didn't report on it. And people had no idea how sick he was. So when he passed away in in Warm Springs, Georgia, which is sort of halfway between Atlanta and uh, Columbus, Georgia, which is where Fort Benning is. Uh, it, it was just a complete shock to people. And, of course, at the time, it was uh, the only two people who were really happy about it were Emperor Hirohito and Adolf Hitler because yeah. they thought the U.S. would be in turmoil and we wouldn't be able to prosecute the war. But after a couple days of, uh, of reflection – we got right back at it, and you know, within a month or so, the war in Europe was over, and uh, we were on our way to Japan in the Pacific. So, you know, if I can just go back and give a little background on on FDR that that people might know, uh, he was born in 1882 in Hyde Park, New York. Interestingly enough, 
he was homeschooled uh, for the first seven or eight years. Then he went to the Groton School, Harvard and Columbia, Columbia Law. He didn't practice law for very long. He always wanted to get into politics. When he was 28 years old, he was elected a state senator in New York. And then when the Wilson administration came into power, he became the assistant secretary of the Navy uh, in Wilson's administration. Uh, He pretty much ran the Navy uh, when he was the assistant secretary because the secretary of the Navy, who was Josephus Daniels, really wasn't very interested in it. He was just a political appointee. And for all the Navy guys out there, Josephus Daniels is famous because he disallowed uh, use of alcohol on Navy ships <laughs> starting in uh, 19 uh, maybe a, maybe a decent idea but <laughs> well, you know the British Navy always allowed alcohol on ships and, and so it was did, a reward uh, yeah the old rum uh, yeah, I mean, reward yeah keep everybody a little quieted down and so on and and most of the British Commonwealth uh, ships allowed uh, alcohol in in moderation you know it wasn't you couldn't have uh, as much as you wanted. But uh, so that was Josephus Daniels' uh, major contribution. Well, now, Rick so Bigelow, you, are- you, you tell us that this informed him greatly and, and made him uh, fully aware and engaged in the naval combat operations that we had to undertake, particularly in the Pacific. Right. I, I think... Uh, he got a lot of experience kind of uh, uh, being in charge of the operating Navy in World War One, And one of the key things is uh, he became close friends with a young Navy captain named William Leahy uh, during World War One, And he became a lifelong friend of FDR. And FDR brought him back on active duty and named him as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in World War Two. Uh, so, I mean, FDR got all this great Navy experience. In 1920, he was the VP nominee, uh, along with Ohio Governor James Cox, uh, but they lost to Harding and Coolidge. 1921, this is when FDR got polio. They figured his career was over, but with his uh, iron will and and his desire to to, uh, get back into politics, he ran for governor in 1928 of New York, and he won a narrow victory. Uh, 1929, of course, the stock market crash happens. The nation descends into depression. FDR believed in the power of government. He implemented a bunch of programs to help New Yorkers. He was reelected governor in, in 1930. 1932, he becomes the Democratic nominee for president. And it, of course, you know, he had he had to uh, build up his upper body strength tremendously so that he could be seen to be walking to the podium uh, to accept the uh, nomination and all that. But in actuality, he was, he was holding on to one of his sons all the time, and they would, he would kind of sway his legs backward and forward to, to give the impression that he was walking to the podium. So a lot of people thought, oh, he had polio, but he beat it. Yeah. Well, he, he was paralyzed from the waist down his entire after after 1921 for the rest of his life but with with his uh, dogged determination he 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 made a, a go of it so he uh, he survived an assassination attempt in February 1933 in Chicago 
this was before he was inaugurated, uh, where the mayor of Chicago was actually killed. Yeah. And in, in March, he was inaugurated. So we all know he comes into office with the sweeping uh, New Deal reforms. And, and, you know, the nation is on its heels. They're 25% unemployment. That's unfathomable down now. Prices 60%. But that's un- that, is, that is literally unfathomable to, to people yeah. today, 25% unemployment. By the way, with virtually no public welfare system to support people when they were unemployed. That's right. And that's, you know, that's when it got down to soup kitchens and, you know, people selling apples on Park Avenue in New York City and so on and so forth. So uh, the times were tough and FDR had a belief in, in government. It was the obligation of government to do something. So he came in with all these programs. <clears throat> One of the things I want to talk about is the Civilian Conservation Corps. Uh, he had done something similar in New York but he established the CCC on a nationwide basis. And it was nominally under the control of the forest department and the forest department said, we can't administer something this big. So they gave it to the army to administer. And at this point in time, George Marshall was in charge of the army. He embraced it. And so some 300,000 men eventually came into the civilian conservation corps and the Army built all the facilities, they built roads, equipped them, you know, uh, gave them quasi-uniforms and so on and so forth. And it was sort of like somewhere between Boy Scout and military training. But uh, a lot of these men who were in the CCC eventually got into the Army or into the Navy, and uh, they were fast-tracked to corporal. Uh, by by the time they got in, because they had some organizational background. We're talking with this gave the army. We're talking uh, with Rick Bigelow on the anniversary of the passing of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We're going to take a break. Rick, hang with us. We'll come back and continue after these messages. Okay. That's the Bangles. They had the number three hit with Manic Monday. This date, nineteen eighty six, and we're talking with uh, our. Asia-Pacific historian, uh, patent attorney, Rick Bigelow. And he is, well, the uncle-in-law of one of the veterans we honor today, Gene Lawson. Born Wilkes-Barre, late of Plains Township. And uh, he was U.S. Navy, Pacific Theater, World War II. All right, Rick. So, uh, we've in the, well, we've got about five minutes. So, we, we get, he's elected. And he brings in these sweeping changes, including the CCC. Uh, cuts 40% cuts to the Army and Navy. Uh, he, he clamps down on Wall Street, rightly or wrongly. But, uh, you know, they were, they were taking it on the chin, and a lot of people thought they were the problem. Uh, establishes the SEC and so forth. Puts the ultimate crook in charge of the uh, SEC, Joe Kennedy. <laughs> but... Uh, he gets reelected in a landslide in 1936. Uh, Alf Lennon and Frank Knox. Now, uh, it, here's an interesting thing. 1937, the Depression deepens dramatically. This is um, after all the New Deal policies were passed. So the government failed. People, and, and as much credit I'll give him for leadership, 
his policies, while worth trying at the time, had failed, even though they did create a, um, I guess, a at least a, a safety net. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and so so things were turning south again in 1938, 39, so on and so forth. But at, at this point in time, uh, the American public didn't want anything to do with the uh, war in Europe. There are a lot of bad feelings coming out of World War I. Uh, and, but then when the, uh, when the Germans attacked the Soviet Union and they pushed into Belgium and were bombing Britain and so on and so forth, uh, more Americans uh, started to support some kind of action in World War II. And Roosevelt ran in 1940 uh, as, as keeping America out of the war, but very quietly. Echoes of Woodrow Wilson, <laughs> when his plans yeah. were the exact opposite. <laughs> right. So they basically got the Two Ocean Navy Act passed in 1940, and, uh, you know, there were all kinds of programs like Lend-Lease and uh, the Ships for Bases and all this sort of stuff. Rick so Bickle, he, let, me, he, let me ask you, though. One of the, one of the things that happens, and, and maybe you go into this just for a moment, uh, FDR decides to move. Now, and he's got expertise in the Navy. It's not just some politician doing it. But he moves the Pacific Fleet to Pearl Harbor. Now, Pacific Fleet Commander Richardson strenuously disagreed. Uh, but we did it. Now, where was it before it went to Pearl Harbor? It was in San Diego, primarily. How bad a decision was that? Uh, that was probably not a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> nearly nearly <laughs> catastrophic, I guess, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and of course, Richardson uh, opposed it, so they fired him. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, and that's the way it goes. After Pearl Harbor, you know, they, uh, they fired Kimmel, and... Uh, they, they did not fire. Yeah, yeah. They did not uh, fire uh, Admiral Stark, who was the chief of naval operations. They moved him to Europe. By the way, Admiral Stark is from Wilkesbury. Wow. Uh, and and uh, the Stark Learning Center at Wilkes College is named after him. How about that? Uh, yeah, and uh, so and he he did a fine job in Europe as as head of the uh, naval forces in Europe, and uh, I think it was the twelfth fleet or something like that. So he did a pretty good job, but they brought in Admiral King to uh, to be the chief of naval operations. So basically, well, you know, move this along quickly. Pearl Harbor happens, uh, and, and FDR makes some famous speeches. Uh, we declare war on Japan. Three days later, Hitler declares war on us, and uh, so we were in the war uh, on on both fronts. Now, interesting uh, to me that FDR recalled MacArthur to duty, and MacArthur was the Army Chief of Staff who uh, fought with him somewhat publicly about yep. his initial military cuts when we were in a budget crisis. That's that's correct. And, and of course, uh, usually what happens with the Army Chief of Staff is it's an older guy, and he, he uh, retires as Army Chief of Staff and then goes into retirement. But MacArthur was a very young Chief of Staff. He was only 55. And so uh, Roosevelt agreed to ship him off to the Philippines to become the field marshal of the Philippines military. Um, so, <laughs> and then, But then he brought him back to active duty. Yeah. And, of course, we know the story about the uh, escape from Corregidor and so on and so forth. But... 
You know, well, so one FDR, thing that people, people don't know now, so the Normandy invasion begins as we, we jump forward. We've got a plan, and it's to go south. We're, we're going from, we, we, we reconquer Africa. Then we go Sicily, on through Italy, and now we're coming from the north, the Normandy invasion. A, a, a meeting that I don't know if, how well publicized it was, he meets with Nimitz and MacArthur in Pearl Harbor. Right. 1944. In, in 19, 1944. And uh, it, it, the interesting thing about this meeting is where we're going in the Pacific next. Um, the, the Navy said they wanted to invade Formosa, Taiwan. Uh, MacArthur, of course, wanted to go to the Philippines. And uh, apparently MacArthur got up and gave a, a tremendous speech on why we should go to the Philippines. And, and that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, May have been another bad decision because a million Filipinos died uh, when we invaded the Philippines. But, so, so uh, now we're we're full blazes on both fronts. His health is declining rapidly. He's got congestive heart failure. Uh, I mean, he's just weakening. Uh, you 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 mentioned the uh, Yalta conference takes place. He looks visibly weakened as he meets with Stalin and Churchill. Uh, <laughs> what are the people around him doing in reaction to this precipitous decline in health? Well, they're protecting him as much as they can. Uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't not seen in public, uh, very much at all. And, uh, you know, they, basically the, the underlings are, are kind of running the government. He, he makes the big decisions. Well, let, Rick Bigelow, we've got to take a break. We'll come back with the weather. And I want to talk to you about a pivotal decision FDR makes. He dumps his former running mate, uh, the vice president. He dumps the vice president to bring on Harry S. Truman, maybe one of his most impactful decisions. We'll talk to Rick Bigelow more about the uh, passing of FDR after this. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Joe tells us fire weather watch in effect all day today through Wednesday evening for all of Northeast Pennsylvania. Don't throw your cigarette butts out, okay? Stop being pigs anyway. That's another story. Today, sunny, some breeze, high of 77. Tonight, clear, low of 57. Tomorrow, more sun, high of 80, maybe better. Friday, partly sunny. The high is about 83. Then it starts to cool down just a hair. Saturday, passing showers, afternoon and evening breezy, high of 75. And I am told, or actually I overheard Joe Snedeker saying on Jason and Nancy that, or Nancy and Jason show, that um, we're going to cool back to more seasonable temperatures next week. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, we're talking with Rick Bigelow. And he's our... Uh, Far East, uh, well, just our East Asian uh, uh, historian. But we're talking about the passing of FDR. So now uh, they have this, the meeting at Yalta. FDR is declining. Everybody's trying to either pretend it wasn't happening or poo-poo it or even actively cover it up. So he dies on this date, 1945. Uh, you you tell us the nation's shocked, and as I was saying earlier, like for the, the Marines, the soldiers and sailors uh, that were fighting us, for us, 10 million strong, they never knew another president. That's right. In fact, it probably never occurred to any of them that anybody else would be president. You know, they yeah. there was no knowledge of how sick FDR was, and he was he was the face of the nation. And I think one thing about him, he, he always was optimistic. He always had a positive attitude. Uh, and, of course, he had his fireside chats, and he would be seen on, on uh, movie newsreels and so on and so forth. And he was always smiling and, and pretty positive, even though he was in pain much of the time. And that massive uh, well, stentorial head of his, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So y- you're right. He, he, uh, he, in 1944, when he runs for president... Uh, Henry Wallace had been his uh, pres- vice president from 40 to 44, and he, he picks uh, Harry Truman, who was uh, more acceptable to the conservative wing of the Democrat Party. And also, he, uh, he, I think he wanted to get Truman kind of out of the Senate because Truman had been head of the Truman Commission, which was looking into uh, um, how much profits, uh, yeah. you know, the defense contractors <laughs> yeah. were getting. And, you know, FDR just wanted, he wanted that to go away. Yeah. So he brings Harry in. But, and, he, he, and barely, Harry, uh, but he barely knows him. Yeah, he hardly knows him at all. And and, uh, he, and I think, uh, he, and he, he rarely meets with him. Um, and, and, you know, the story goes that, that uh, Harry didn't really know about the atomic bomb or the Manhattan Project. I, I think he may have known something was up, but he didn't know any of the details. And so it was a complete shock to him, not only that he's president now, but, but that we've got this super weapon. In fact, I think Joseph Stalin knew more about the atomic bomb yeah. than Harry Truman did. When and he was, and uh, Truman's going to be called upon to make the, the uh, fateful decision of whether to use it or not. Uh, now, Leahy, who's one of the close advisors to FDR, you tell me, uh, Leahy would have probably or uh, advised against it. 
But do you think ultimately, I happen to think he would have, do you think ultimately FDR would have uh, used the atomic uh, bomb? Well, not only Leahy wasn't in favor, neither was MacArthur or Eisenhower or Marshall or King. You know, it, it just it just didn't fit in with their concept of of how you run a war. And they didn't know how devastating it would be or what the shock value would be or so on and so forth. So just about everybody was in the, the upper echelons of the military was either doubtful about it or downright opposed it. And, and basically, you know, there's a recent book about Leahy called the, the second most powerful man in the world. And, and, and basically, FDR almost always went along with what Leahy uh, wanted. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some doubt whether he would have uh, gone for the atomic bomb or not. Uh, I w- will say this. We were just into the early days of the Okinawa invasion when uh, when FDR died. The, uh, the, the death and the wounding of uh, Americans and the, the 300,000 uh, Japanese civilians Stank. that were lost on Okinawa, and uh, I forget, 110,000 Japanese yeah. soldiers. That may have caused FDR to to uh, because uh, be Harry, in favor Harry of... Truman ultimately overcame the same objectors and objections. That's right. I, I think That's FDR right. would have. I truly do. I looking at the staggering and they they presented a clear picture to Truman at the time that we could face up to a million casualties facing the you know going into the mainland of Japan. Right. That's exactly right. And I, you know, frankly, the American public was getting tired of it at that time. Yeah, they were they were getting tired of the war. So uh, Harry had had no doubt he was going to do it. And uh, you know, the, the bottom line is that the Japan didn't surrender after the first bomb drop. They yeah. didn't surrender till after the second bomb drop. Yeah, and and the Russians came in to Manchuria. <laughs> <laughs> Quite amazing. Well, the FDR, his passing. April 12th, 1945. Rick uh, Bigelow, thank you so much for filling in a lot of the blanks. We appreciate it, as always. And we'll hear from you again when? Uh, probably in a couple weeks. I think uh, it'd be a good idea to talk about JFK and PT-109 and, and the Solomon Islands campaign. Love it. Love it. Well, and, and since uh, at your behest, we are uh, doing quarter to three at uh, based on Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands. The timing's perfect. Okay. <laughs> but you got to let me know when Port Moresby, which I have some dedication to, gets off of daylight savings. Okay? Well, it's it's us on daylight savings. I don't think they change. Okay. All right. All right. It, uh, <laughs> I misinterpreted that. Well, good. Good. When we're off it, we'll go back to Port Moresby. But Rick Bigelow, uh, great patent attorney, great historian. We appreciate it much. You're welcome, Bob. Right, thank you, and 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 yep. thank your your uh, wife and wife's family uh, for allowing me to honor Gene Lawson today. It, it is beyond my pleasure. We all very much appreciate it. All right, Rick Bigelow, isn't it great having an East Asian historian at at beck and call? It's fantastic. We'll take this break. We'll come back with Frank Sinatra. And Gerard Mayer, because it's going to be quarter to three someplace. We are back. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Gerard. 
And it is quarter to three, as Rick Bigelow has instructed me and schooled me, as he often does on history and this, that uh, it's quarter to three in Guadalcanal, like closing time for the bars. Guadalcanal. You've all heard of it because of the famous World War II battle to take it from the Japanese. The indigenous name is Satabu. It's the principal island in the Guadalcanal province of the Solomon Islands, located in the southwestern Pacific Ocean, northeast of Australia. It's the largest island in the Solomon Islands. And uh, so we'll have to do Guadalcanal instead of Port Moresby from now on. And, of course, it is quarter to noon here, according to Gerard Mayer. So that's good. All right. I don't even know if I have enough time here. But, all right, let's, let's deal with one issue. Because a lot of you are misplacing blame on the utilities for your increased utility costs. Now, and this is the same thing, same concept with the oil companies. Please remember this. They operate on a percentage of profit. Okay? So let's say it's 10%, just for ease of our multiplication. So if the price of uh, that they sell you and the price that they pay has a 10% variance, meaning they make 10%, and the price is $200, they make $20. If the price is $100, they make 10 So the record profits aren't because of gouging, which Joe Biden lies about or is too stupid to know all the time. They're about percentage margin margin of profit, a fixed margin of profit, particularly in the case of utilities, ensures that their profits go up when idiots like Joe Biden increase, and the Democrats, increase the cost of energy. They're not gouging you. They're getting the same percentage they did, but the number's higher, so the percentage and margin has a higher number to it. Please don't let them lie to you. Don't deflect the blame from where it belongs. Left-wing energy policies. Well, there they are. Sonny Bono elected mayor of Palm Springs this date, 1988, Murph tells us. And, of course, that's I Got You, Babe. We're going to finish with John Mellencamp, number four hit, rocking in the USA. And I am going to give you... With that song as the music bed, my platform. Somebody said, I just whine. Well, because they don't listen. And and one more thing on this. Okay, this utility thing. Somebody asked, so you're telling me, Bob, 44% in one shot is justified. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, Joe Biden, the Democrats that maybe you vote for, Matt Cartwright, Bob Casey, support lunacy in our energy policy and lunacy in our spending policies, which caused the inflations that did justify the 44% increase because their costs went up at least 44% or they wouldn't get the increase. What are we missing here? It's the Democrats' fault. Period. 
There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Stop trying to deflect to the utility company, the big, bad utility company. They only get a margin of profit that they're allowed, period. And if the price goes up, they make more money, and you take it in the neck. Thanks, Joe Biden. Thanks, Matt Cartwright. Thanks, Bob Casey. And thanks to all the Democrats who voted for these idiots. Period. All right, let's go quickly, Mike, from Duryea, because I've got to get to my policy prescriptions. How are you, man? Good, 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 good. Now, I was watching an advertisement yesterday about cars. They're putting cameras on the left-hand side and the right-hand side of the car so you can see when you make a turn. Oh, God. But you know what they did? You know what they did? They took away the ashtrays and the cigarette lighters <laughs> out of cars. I know, I know. So now so now people are flicking lighted cigarettes out the window. And that's, oh, those pigs were always doing that. You I know guess, that. Yeah, that's you true. know I mean, that. It was more now, of a funny one when, when you heard you say that. Nothing pees me off more than people throwing trash. It, oh, you know, you know what? I was I was on 81 going to Holmesdale from uh, Scranton area, and I tell you, 81 is horrible. Horrible. The garbage horrible. on the side of the roads is just unbelievable all over 81 on the side. And, and, and Mike, it, it, they're going to make prisoners like me go out there and clean it up. That's what they, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I heard an advertisement for, for uh, volunteers. The goddamn, goddamn, what you call, goddamn prisoners that get, get free right of rain for, a, for a, a surgery for their heart or whatever. They those, get the first prisoners. in line for the <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to free you, Mike. All right. While Mellencamp fires off, I'll see if I can get through this. I don't just whine. I've got solutions. I'm telling you, on every policy we're talking about. Social Security, Medicare. Reduce it to the well-off, eliminate it for the wealthy. Saves both programs. Eliminate public employee unions. Period. Dramatic reform of the Department of Defense. They're wasting $400 billion a year for your money. They don't even know where they're wasting it. But I believe in heavy defense spending. Balanced budget amendment. No increase to the debt limit before that is passed. No more deficit spending. Leases, distribution, taxation, and regulation all eliminated from our energy complex. Keystone XL pipeline, re-permit it. End drilling restrictions for Anwar, the Arctic, and the offshore. Natural gas-powered cars and subsidies for electric cars. Eliminate and outlaw ESG and CEI as contrary to fiduciary duty of corporations and investment advisors and companies. All the woke crap. Eliminate Medicare and Medicaid. Pay premiums to private insurance companies in whole or in part for those who need it. Pounce on and prosecute prosecute uh, prosecutors and mayors who won't enforce the law. Outlaw no bail policies. Reinstitutionalize homeless. Uh, reinstitutionalize those that are homeless and those who have mental problems. We've got to build institutions again. They've got to be reinstitutionalized. Equalize all tariffs and non-tariff barriers with everybody we trade with. Everybody's going to be on the same playing field as us. Immediate summit with Putin. Immediate summit with Xi. And tell them where they stand and where we stand and try to make it right. Reverse Title IX inclusion of men. 
outlaw any teaching of gender ID or CRT in schools K to 12. And I could go on, but we're out of time. I don't whine. I tell you when something sucks. And Biden and the Democrats suck. It's that simple. Stop supporting them. Stop being willfully blind. Stop letting them ruin this country. And this world, by the way. Well, the music's over. Does that mean I'm done, Johnny? (laughs) He says, yes. All right. We want to thank the families of and posthumously these veterans. Jim Mosley of Shepton. U.S. Army, Vietnam era, 72 to 74. Wayne Oakley of Susquehanna County, U.S. Air Force, Vietnam era. Mr. Superific, he was called. William Crossan of Scranton, U.S. Army Reserves. Ted Tomko, born Peckville, late of Dixon City, United States Marine Corps, Vietnam. He was a USMC sergeant. And Gene Lawson, U.S. Navy, World War II on the USS Indiana and USS Vulcan. Thank you to all of them. Uh, by the way, Gene Lawson, born Wilkes-Barre, passed away 1989 in Plains Township. Thank you to them. Thanks for Pizza Bella, home of the no-carb crust, for sponsoring this show, and Dunmore Lumber, uh, 622 South Blakely Street in Dunmore, for sponsoring this hour. Nikki Stone next. God willing, we'll see you all tomorrow. WYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long Follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights Plus Original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.